Tere, and welcome to History of Estonia podcast, episode 15, Education and Culture in the 14th to 16th Centuries. In the medieval age, the church and education were inseparable. The primary reason for education was to groom future clergymen. Even back in the time when Estonia was being conquered, it was seen as critical to speak the local language. Therefore, when young boys were taken hostage, they were schooled abroad to become members of the clergy. This, however, was stopped once the land was conquered. While cathedral and monastic schools were active at the very heart of the Catholic Church, there is no specific information about cathedral schools in Estonia. It is likely, however, that such schools did exist, as cathedral schools groomed future canons. Starting in the 15th century, anyone aspiring to a higher position in the church were required to have completed university-level education. Most university studies were completed at German universities in Rostock, Erfurt, and Leipzig, but also at universities in Bologna, Paris, and Prague. There are even records of Estonian students attending universities at this time. If one could financially manage a university education, the Catholic doctrine did not forbid these opportunities. The most exemplary student that we know of from this era is Johann Pulk, a student at the University of Rostock. In the 16th century, Polk was even able to become a member of the cathedral chapter of the Sarama Lanama Diocese. While the Catholic Church was open to Estonians taking advantage of these opportunities, this education was out of financial grasp to most would-be students. Another problem for those that did, that did go to school abroad, upon completing their studies, many students chose not to return home. This problem brought about the establishment of the Higher School of Latin, in which children from rural areas could prepare and study for the priesthood. Bishop Kievel was the driving force behind this undertaking. Old Pernu was selected as the location of the school. A scholar from the University of Rostock was invited to take the position of director of the school and even made a trip to review the conditions. Although the school never came to be because changes that took place as part of the Reformation. The only remaining documentation of specifically monastic schools is in regard to the Dominicans of Tallinn and the Cistercians Cistercian, the of Karkna. It is assumed that many cloisters had their own schools. These schools would have had access to the cloister's libraries. The library of the Dominican cloister remains today. Since this cloister gained members from among the local population, many of the students were Estonians. To take advantage of the trade boom going on in Estonia, children needed to learn the skills and knowledge necessary to succeed. While the town schools worked and functioned next to town churches, the schools were directly subordinate to the town council. In addition to religious teaching, students also learned to read, write, and do arithmetic. Great emphasis was put on the Latin language and literature. The first school in Estonia is thought to be near St. Olaf's Church in Tallinn. 
Schools were next established in Narva, Nupernu, Paide, Tartu, and Rockvere. Lutheran education in the printed Estonian word. When the Reformation arrived in Estonia, it put a stop to the development of the Catholic schooling system. However, the new church opened up greater opportunities for public education, and even including Estonian language studies. After all, the Bible had been proclaimed the basis of the new religion. In Lübeck in 1525, a book of common prayers was also published with text in Estonian, Livonian, and Latvian, explaining what messages were, were being conveyed. In a bit of a dark irony, nearly all copies of, of the book were destroyed by the Lübeck Council, which called the publication foolishness. While no copies of this book exist today, nonetheless, this was the first known book in the Estonian language. The new religious move movement, however, still demanded that religion be taught in the native language. And without such a book, educating the Estonian population was not really possible. Soon, a Lutheran catech catechism, or oral instruction, was compiled in Tallinn. The book was put together by Pastor Simone Wanret of St. Nicholas and translated into Estonian by Johann Kohl, an Estonian preacher from the Church of the Holy Spirit. The Catechism by Wanret and Kohl was printed in Germany in 1535. However, in a few years, the Council also proclaimed this to be a forbidden book because of the many mistakes made in it. In a lucky break, 11 pages of one of these books was, were used in bindings of another book and were therefore discovered. Scholars believe that an Estonian catechism was also in wide use in the 1550s, but unfortunately no copies have been found. In this era, translators were faced with the concern of which Estonian dialect to use in the translation. This problem became larger as publications of books became, of Estonian books became widely printed. Starting in the 16th century, many attempts were made to translate the Bible and hymns into Estonian. Of course, good translations required well-educated Estonian translators. One translation of the Bible had been started by a student of the Tallinn Town School, a fellow by the name of Hans Susi who died of the plague in 1549. He was a talented young boy, and his grandmother had donated a large sum of money towards his education. While dying from the plague, Hans asked for the money intended for his education to go towards educating another boy in his place. This so-called Susi Capital became a, total, became a sort of program to fund disadvantaged youth of Tallinn, and Tallinn shoemakers joined in and offered to donate shoes for children in this program. It is not known how much work was completed of the Bible translation, and complications prevented it from going to print. While the Lutheran Church was for protecting education, not much changed in the schools of Livonia after the Reformation. The number of cloisters dropped dramatically, but the majority of schooling was carried out by town schools. Residents and noble families 
looked for instructors that could provide their children with homeschooling. Architecture, textile, and the fine arts in the second half of the Middle Ages. In Estonian architecture, the period of feudal splintering is known for its variety of styles. Some of the best examples of Estonia's architecture accomplishments are found in northern Estonia and Tallinn. Public buildings and homes were designed in the late Gothic style and remain intact today. Some of the examples from what is referred to as the golden period of Estonian architecture include Tallinn's Town Hall, which was a public building, but also private homes for wealthy residents such as Sorgildi, or the Great Guild, and Oliviste, guild buildings. All of these date back to the middle 16th century. Two and three nave churches were built as glorious late Gothic basilicas. The Tartu Cathedral was actually rebuilt to conform with the stylistic trend. There was a strong influence on paintings. Wood sculptures and textile arts were mostly influenced by German styles and later by those of the Low Countries. These works were normally crafted by the guild masters and contracted by town halls, guilds, and wealthy individuals. Included in the art circles of influential and talented artists, many were known to be Estonian. Wall murals were some of the most popular styles of art during this period, but only a few of these works have survived to, to today. Most of the wall murals that survived are in churches that once belonged to the Sarama-Lanama diocese. A number of well-known European mural paint painters worked in Tallinn. Famous German craftsmen were commissioned to paint in local churches. One of the best-known painters in Lübeck in the second half of the 15th century was Hermann Rode, R-O-D-E, who painted the side altar of St. Nicholas Church. Another craftsman of Lübeck, Bernd Notke, painted the main altar of the Church of the Holy Spirit. Notke's greatest work was the mural entitled Dance Macabre. Only seven and a half meters of this extraordinary mural remains today. It is now located at St. Nicholas Church. It is thought that this mural was commissioned by one of the churches or cloisters of Tallinn. If you are into art, history, and plan on visiting Tallinn, I certainly recommend stopping by the St. Nicholas Church and taking a look at the dance, at the dance macabre. The part that still exists shows the higher echelon of society, starting with the Pope and then the King and going down through different levels of people in society and how they are all dancing with death and its inevitability. In the 15th and early 16th century, the Tallinn Foundry boasted many talented casters, primarily casting church bells and cannons, whose works were also commissioned from other Nordic countries. The church bell, the church bell still hanging in the Church of the Holy Spirit in Cast in Tallinn is the oldest church bell in all of Estonia. Churches in this period were rather wealthy in terms of silver and gold. During this period, of, of iconoclasticism of the Reformation, such items were destroyed or stolen. 
In times of trouble, uh, in trouble, especially times of war, items made of silver were confiscated from churches and guilds, melted down, and cast into coins. Therefore, very few of these treasures remain today. Urban culture saw a breakthrough in the Renaissance art in the 1520s and 30s. At this time, Estonia's most well-known painter of the Middle, a- of the middle Era, Michael Sittau, worked in Tallinn. The Tallinn native went on to be a- an accomplished Renaissance painter throughout Europe. He was commissioned to do works as far away as Spain, and he served in the royal court of the King of Denmark. Sittau's works can be found in many museums around the world. In the second half of the 16th century, Balthazar Rousseau, a minister practicing in Tallinn's Church of the Holy Spirit, wrote, the Chronicles, of Livonian, uh, the Chronicles of the Livonian Province in Low German. This is one of the most important sources of the Estonian Middle Age that survives today. The first publication was printed in Rostock in 1578 and was well read at the time. Because of its popularity, a second and third printing followed. In this work, Rousseau criticized the nobility and pointed out the intensifying suppression of the peasantry. Rousseau was, was believed to be an Estonian, the son of a Tallinn coachman. The primary content of his chronicles pertain to the events of the Livonian War. The chronicles give a vivid description of life and conditions in pre-war Livonia. The customs and habits of the ruling elite are described at length, as well as descriptions of numerous festivities. Rousseau was tough in describing the vices of noblemen and those of the Catholic Church. Rousseau described the easy and carefree nature and extravagant lifestyles enjoyed by the upper class in Old Livonia in the pre-war era. Rousseau's chronicles are the primary source for getting to know this, this period of history. We will leave our timeline here for the moment, and next episode we start to cover the Livonian War, when the Tsardom of Russia faced a varying coalition of Denmark, Norway, the Kingdom of Sweden, and the union of the Grand Duchy of Lithuania and the Kingdom of Poland, all competing for territory in what is today modern Estonia and Latvia. Until next time, Nagamisini. <laughs>